listening to the Village Church Podcast Show. All right, you are listening to the Village Church Podcast Show. I am your host, Mark Clark. Really glad you are listening. This is part two of a conversation that we are having with all the Village Church pastors. And we're talking about, last episode, we talked about a whole bunch of things from uh, the biggest mistakes we've made in ministry um, to really talking about sex and marriages and all kinds of different things. And now on this second episode, we get in, we open up the Village Church mailbag, questions that come in from you guys uh, to do with our church. And then we uh, really table some other things, the questions that have come in through social media. Uh, I said, hey, what are some, if we had all the pastors of Village sitting around a table and answering your questions, what would you want to ask? And so I pulled some of those out as well. And this second episode, we really delve in uh, to some of those and some experiences that we've had as pastors around these things. And so hopefully you enjoy uh, this episode two, uh, part two of a discussion with all of the Village church pastors. One of the segments that we're going to do on our podcast is uh, we get letters. All right. We, we got a mailbag. Right, we got a mailbag. Uh, people send us emails. People send us feedback uh, about church and church services and what they think of, you know, what's going on around here. And so it's great. We get a lot of great encouraging ones. We get critiques. We get everything under the sun, and it's awesome. And so uh, we look at these uh, we look at these letters and we uh, or these emails, and we, we, we love them and, and think they're really important. Um, now, uh, some of the raised questions. So what we're going to do uh, as a regular thing on this podcast is we're going to speak to a few of them as they come in. And so uh, one of the ones that came in is this question around, you know, a few times a year, a handful of times a year, uh, our church shows up and I won't be preaching. Right. And so, uh, you know, what maybe however many 12 times a year we do a special global mission or a you make it happen Sunday or a, we get an intern or apprentice up or whatever. And uh, uh, one person wrote in and they said, uh, people want to know if there's not going to be a sermon ahead of time because they feel that they can worship on their own and they drive to church to hear the preaching. <laughs> so uh, so that's is. one person's, you know, opinion. So what do we think about that? Are we, should we start publishing uh, online what we're doing uh, with preaching and, and all that? Or, or what, what, what do you guys get from this? How does this hit you? Everyone's got a topic, wants to comment. Who's going to go first? <laughs> well, man, I would say that scripture, first of all, talks about worship being something that, uh, is is between the saints. It's right. something we do for one another. Corporately. It's a sing to one another. Right. Like if there's anything that you don't need to come to church for, it might be you could j- just watching the sermon. It might be the other way around. Right. I'm just joking. Don't, right, do, right. That. Yeah. don't yeah. do that. Come to church still <laughs> yes. for the sermon. But like it's like uh, you know. Right. So there's a corporate aspect. There's a corporate aspect. So you would challenge it's like, the. I would yeah, challenge that idea. your presence in the gathering is what matters to the other people. Right, right. Um, because you are the encouragement to them. You are the blessing to them. When you greet them, uh, when you, uh, you know, get coffee for yeah. one of them, yeah. when you stand next to each other and you you sing the songs, when you pray for one another, uh-huh. you run into people who are dealing with things. The yeah. presence of the people is what is what matters. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Mm-hmm. And even, even around... 
even if the reason, um, you know, you might come to church or something is this reason versus that reason, uh, that's not the same for everyone. Um, and to even say, we're going to start telling everyone when Mark's preaching and when this is happening is to elevate, uh, the preaching to a place that I mm-hmm. think we wouldn't want to, because right. it is about all of these other things. And so, um, if you look at churches, you know, like Redeemer, uh, Tim Keller, you were talking about Tim Keller, uh, multiple sites, you know, I don't know, six or seven services he might preach for, but they never publish where he's going to be. And so you show up and you don't know whether you're going to get Keller or one of the other guys because they don't want to build a culture mm-hmm. of this celebrity idea that you're only coming to right. hear this and that or whatever. We don't do that with any other aspect of it. And so uh, to answer the question pointedly, we don't want to build a culture where we're elevating it and saying you should follow Mark around or whatever um, because that's not what the service is for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll never publish when, uh, you know, when Mark is preaching and what site he's at and any of that, because that's not what church is about. Yeah. Do you think part of it is it also lends itself to a consumeristic culture? Mm, is absolutely. I want to consume this pastor's preaching sure. versus I want to contribute. Yeah. Uh, I want to be a part of community. I want to be a part of the mission yeah. of the church. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that also comes up is... Totally. Yeah, I think there's... Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how I got the job but I tend to be the one that responds to these. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know why, but um, uh, one thing I, I do always try and say is, is thank people for their feedback. Yeah, I want to totally. make sure we're clear that yep. mm-hmm. um, while we won't necessarily do everything everyone emails or in or, yeah. or agree with it, that we do listen to it yep. and we do actually try and respond to yep. it uh, lovingly and with our point of view. Yep. But what I've really been wrestling with, because we get these kind of questions every once in a while, is is there's actually something theological to me where people are separating themselves out from the church. Mm-hmm. And, and when they view it this way, I feel like they're, they're almost saying, I'm, I'm actually taking myself out of this you know, spiritual body of believers, right. and I am something separate right. uh, who, who participates or chooses to look in or, or, mm-hmm. or participate mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I want. And, and that's not anything close to what we're called to do. Right. Right. We're actually one body together and you can't function that way right. with the church yeah. uh, where you separate yourself out and become this kind of like lone thing that right. that's just not how it's designed yeah. i think you can over time maybe feel like your family is uh interested or caring about things that are different than what's on your heart and maybe you don't feel mm-hmm. like you fit in the family or something but there's a separation in a lot of i find yeah. this kind of feedback where yeah. I, I think it's not healthy okay any other thoughts on that um, okay, one last question for you guys as pastors. Uh, you've had different levels of experience throughout the years. Uh, one of the questions I, uh, I posted that we were doing this, and one of the questions that came out of my, uh, the Facebook uh, things that people really wanted us to answer um, was, uh, what are the theological questions over the years that, that the congregation, that the churches that you've served at, whatever, um, have had? Meaning those conversations that you have and they come up to you and they say, here's the one question I have for you. And it's been a kind of a consistent question or two that has come to you that people are stuck on. People are confused about. People want a pastoral, theological answer uh, to their question. What, what has that been for you guys over the years? Yeah, for me, it's uh, how do I make sense of the calamity around me? 
okay. whether it's in my own life, sure. whether it's around the world or in my family or whatever, but how do I reconcile you know, loving God with all the calamity that I see yeah. consistently. One, one guy wrote that his um, his parents passed away. Both of them passed away. He didn't say how uh, when he was 15. He's now in his 40s, and he's had a really, really tough life. And he, he's never doubted he loves Jesus, you know, um, but that, so that kind of question. And what do you usually do in those scenarios when you counsel people to the calamity, to the to the evil, the destruction? What do you, how do you answer that? Uh, I just talked to them about expectations that, you know, it's not reasonable to have an expectation that in this fallen world that we live in, that we will not have problems. Mm -hmm. You know, we're told that in this life, we will have trials, hardships. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's rather than how do you deal with the inevitable as opposed to being shocked when it comes. And and so that's usually the way we go. Preparing yourself for the inevitability of suffering and pain. And do you try to answer... Um, the question of what is God doing in the midst of this? I mean, I tend to not try to delve deep into that pastorally with people. Uh, you know, there's this great uh, image of there's this Jewish tradition where when someone dies in your family, um, the community comes to your house and they sit down and they don't say anything yeah. for a day and they just sit on your couch with you and then they leave. And then the next day they come back and they do it again for four or five days in a row. And it's not about, let me provide you with answers. It's about, we're here for you. You know, we're mourning with those who are mourning and the silence is almost symbolic. I mean, in my view, well, of course, uh, there are answers theologically to these things and pointers and Romans eight and the cross and these different elements. Um, I think it's interesting that, um, that, you know, you look at the garden of Eden, for instance, uh, Genesis three, uh, the serpent is all of a sudden there. Evil is there. And there's no story about in Genesis 3 about how he got there. Mm-hmm. He's just there. And I think there's something theological about the question of evil. It's interesting, but by the end of Job, there's no real answers. Mm-hmm. God doesn't sit Job down and say, let me give you every nuance about what I'm doing in your pain. It's mm. trust me, I'm bigger than you. You're small. You're, you don't know what's going on. So there's, there's something about just being and yeah. shepherding and a, being a presence uh, for people and not trying to always answer, this is why this happened. Uh, and that's how I've, you know, dealt with it theologically. All right. So that's a big one. Mm-hmm. What have you guys faced over the years? I mean, I, I get the stuff like around, why doesn't God save everyone? Yeah. Um, okay. If he's actually able to be in control of everything, so why doesn't he just, yeah. why, why yeah, does why everyone just, go just to decide yeah. to let everyone in? Right. Okay. Yeah, and how have you dealt with that one in the past? Oh, it's easy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's a no-brainer. Um, I, think, I think there's fundamentally a, just a, a perspective that people come to that, I think, today especially, where there's an entitlement bit in a lot of our lives where we feel like we deserve everything. And so I think helping people understand sin um, and uh, how we're broken and lost and all of this, uh, and how God is perfect but at the same time loving, and how actually it's not a matter of how horrible it is that he doesn't save everyone, how amazing it is that he chooses to save any of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think trying to change people's perspective and how they view themselves in the big scheme of good and evil economy, I think is, is for me, at least what I've tried to do yeah, in helping good. people understand that. But Yeah, the picture I think Spurgeon talks about, um, you know, in Romans, Romans 9, Paul says, you know, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. 
and that, that we're not supposed to focus in on Esau I hated, but be baffled by Jacob I loved. Mm-hmm. Why would he ever love anybody? It's not so much that he let the people perish in the, uh, in, in the flood. It's that he saved eight. Yep. And that's the piece that's supposed to blow our mind versus all the people who perish. So it's, yep. it's flipping that perspective, yep. but still a difficult thing totally. that people wrestle with. And if God's so loving and all of that, um, so, and, and I think a piece of it is trying to come up with some pointers and then the silence in the room yep. a little bit, yeah. you know, again. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I Two think, big ones. Yeah. I think the, I mean, the, uh, what is, you know, good things, bad things, bad things happen yeah. to good people right. and, yeah. Bad th- sure. good things happen to bad people. Right. Yeah, um, no, that is actually in the scriptures. The song's fair. always like, "This guy's right. wicked, yeah. and he's richer than me." Right? Yeah. What's the deal? Yeah. That's not. That's probably number one. I think the other one we get a lot um, of is just people about God's will, um, His plan for your life. You know those <laughs> those aspects and the theology around what that means, and it's just. And helping uh, the questions is how do I know how to make decisions in, in light of that? Yeah. So it's uh, it's just working through, and we're, we're all face it, how to determine the will mm-hmm. of God. And that's, you know, his permissive will versus his ideal will versus mm-hmm. um, overall will um, and theology around that, as well as then how you use people around you. You know, the, your, the word through prayer, through affirmation with people around you, a number of those things. That how is that, come how has that happened in your guy's life? One or two stories around. How did you find the will of God by using the Bible, people, the church, leaders? Has that happened in your life where you're like, am I supposed to do this? And God has spoken through people. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, for me. Uh, when I was finishing up grad school, trying to figure out what's the next step, um, even down to are we going to move? What are we going to do? Uh, are we going to stay in California, go to Vancouver or wherever? Um, remember, uh, Packer has a really good and knowing God. I think it's Thou Our Guide chapter mm-hmm. um, was awesome. A friend uh, led me to that. But just, yeah, initially every step of the way, okay, we have the Holy Spirit as our guide in the midst of this. And so uh, step one, go to, to remember, him. Because oftentimes oh, absolutely. we just say – Go to the Bible, go to the Bible. And it's like he actually gave you the spirit. That's right. And so going to him and and then saying, okay, here's the decision. Here's what's going on. Here's my will at this point. Uh, Here's my desire and what I think um, you may Mm -hmm. be saying, Mm -hmm. but open doors, closed doors, that idea. Um, Okay, how does it fit with scripture? Uh, Is there anything in there that could speak more specifically to this, Um, but at least thematically? And then due diligence, Um, go um, ask questions. I think a couple interview things I had at the time. Go to that. Pray as I go into that. Mm-hmm. Ask the questions. Get the information. Go back. Does it fit with the word? Um, checking back in okay. uh, with God through that. And then um, especially bigger decisions than even taking the time to just fast. Take some time. Um, so Rachel and I would then sit down, do devotions, pray independently, pray collectively, and just trust that God will give us a sense too. Sometimes it's clear as day, like mm-hmm. this is where you're supposed to go. And a lot of times it's not an all good or all bad, right. just a sense of peace that this is what we're supposed to be doing here. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to, because the spirit's at work to understand that the scripture needs to validate, mm-hmm. you know, what, what you're Absolutely. feeling the spirit leading you to do. So like an example in my own life was, um, you know, the question of whether or not I should move here mm-hmm. and just kind of everything around was like around me was like, uh, you know, why would you leave? You know, we're developing people, uh, in New York, you know, so, you know, why, why leave that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then just reading in scripture, one of the, one of the pastors just was brought up how Paul and Barnabas 
uh, were sent out of the church of Jerusalem. And it's like, uh, you know, maybe it's not that we always raise up people to send out, but the idea is that we raise up people to take our place and we leave. And so we had already felt the spirit leading us that way. But to see that, that God works like that in scripture didn't, didn't mean that it was necessarily a hundred percent true that that's how he was moving in my life. It's not prescriptive, but it is descriptive of the kind of thing that God does. And that was helpful. Yeah. 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 I even take that further to how you use scripture that way. Like, I think, I don't think the idea is that scripture is there to help us when we want to find out what God has for us. Like, I'm going to go and engage scripture just when I have a question about will, and then the Holy Spirit will do something to tell me what the will is. I think the idea is we all should be in scripture all the time so that the Spirit's always working on us, and we're always getting closer and closer to the mind and the emotions and and how God views the world, and, and, and then we become more naturally like him, and then we begin to act as if he would act in the world, which I think... Mm so many people just miss that. You know, they, they don't want to do the basic hard work that's right there in front of us. Uh, we want to skip to like an easy or a supernatural thing or, or something as opposed to this word we've actually been given to be in where we're going to be constant, constant. Yeah. Uh, first Thessalonians says, you know, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Yeah. So it's this sense of a constant sanctification. You got a story about seeking out the will of God and people affirming in your life? Yeah, but why are mine always the train wrecks? (laughs) I've had people tell me, um, and I'm uh, like, I'm going to die on the way home from church. So they said you're going to die or they themselves? No, that I'm going to die. Pastor Cliff's going to die on the way home from church. But this wasn't Pastor Cliff at this time. It was a young guy. And I'm sitting there trying to ascertain. God, why? What did I ever do to you? Right. I had people telling me I should be in missions that I did miss my call. And so for me, I'm sitting there going, how does this work? And I realized that the idea of ascertaining God's will is that there is a process. Mm-hmm. You know, in Acts 16, when um, Paul's trying to figure out where do I go, it was a little bit through some trial and error. He ended up going mm-hmm. to Macedonia. Mm-hmm. But I just got comfortable going, there's going to be a process for me to figure out God's will. It will be, uh, I think, some of the principles affirmed in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And I can't put too much stock in everyone around me because they've got right. their own lenses right. on what I need to do, like yeah. die or go to the mission right. field. So what Especially happened? Yeah, I'm, I'm confused like on that, that one. Yeah, yeah. So, so a guy told you God's yeah. will in your life is your easy. He wants I'm you to die? die. Yeah. On way home from church. Yes. So what, how would you get did, home? He, he didn't die. So. He's the wing nut. Well, of course he's... <laughs> <sometimes, laughs> but at the time, I didn't wings. know. But at the time, that's what I mean. I, I didn't know. I, I, was, I, I wasn't I was solid wants, in my John faith. John wants to go back to the prophecy from the yeah. drum. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a podcast. Hold on a second. <laughs> Are we saying God... So did you call that? this guy up to be like... Hey, hey I'm, he's still here. I'm Stop no, prophesying to no, people. No, I'm at church. And he's like, yeah, God, uh, it's kind of like your uh, thing, Eric, with the drums. But mine wasn't near as good. Yeah, God gave me a word for you. Oh, man. Caution. Oh, what right. is it? That you're going to die on the way home. Yeah. So, so anyone, did, you, did you like walk home then or not? No, like a certain route? So I, <laughs> I, 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 like, I, don't I take everyone, exit five. everyone in my car, I got rid of them. Like, well, if I'm going to die, I'm not going to take anyone with me, you know? And, uh, I just kind of did drive it. through and yeah. But in there though, so. I, I realized, uh, figuring <laughs> this out is a five big Macs. Five big Macs, please. That's right. Yeah. I'm going down on the way home. I'm going to go home down with a full so, stomach. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds crazy. It is. Yeah. Don't do that. No, yeah. uh, there's a principle for your life. All right, uh, guys, good discussion. Thank you for joining us. These, uh, this has been a discussion with the pastors of Village Church, and uh, thank you guys so much. It's been great.
Thank you for listening to the Village Church podcast show. You can find out more about Village Church at thisisvillagechurch.com. Thank you.